Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. First come back. Give me a hell yeah. Welcome everybody back to another Hitting the Turnbuckle Podcast. I am your host, Adam Cousins. I still have a voice after two nights of WWE. This is Sunday at the time of recording. I was at Money in the Bank and SmackDown, but we'll get into that later on. This is all about another three letters in wrestling, AEW. And I'm joined by my man across the pond, coming back again for another show. Parker, how are you? Hope I'm not overstaying my welcome, but let me tell you, man, I'm I'm jealous of the experience that you had last night, honestly, and, you know, really happy to be back here on hitting the turnbuckle, talking to AW, WWE, you know, we're going to be talking money in the bank here shortly as we're recording here uh, on this uh, beautiful Sunday, but yeah, man, it was awesome to see you have that experience, and, you know, even though it was a big night for WWE, obviously, flagship show for AW coming in with their second week, I, was this the second or third episode of Collision? Third episode of Collision, yeah. So, I mean, big week for AEW, just as much as it was for WWE, and uh, we're here to talk all things Collision, man. But, yeah, I'm ready to get into it. We are indeed. So, three weeks in, Parker. We'll get into the show uh, yesterday. I know it was recorded on Thursday, but it was on live TV yesterday. What are your thoughts on Collision and the differentiation between that and Dynamite? Does it feel different for you? I know in looks and presentation it does, but does it feel different to you in terms of the whole production? That's a really good question, Adam. And I, and I like you're a lot like me. You just like to get right into it. So, you know, I don't know about you, Adam, but I'll, I'll keep it sparse with this. But in regards to like production, I thought the first episode of Collision was just absolutely incredible. I mean, just it had the big feel, the big show feel. It felt like everything that you wanted Dynamite to feel like. And then you followed up the first episode of Collision with like, what was it? I think record low viewership for yeah. Dynamite uh after the uh, debut of collision and then i don't know did you just i don't know about you adam and i don't want to like be too much when i say this but it and i'm and like i said if you guys don't know uh if you weren't listeners of the show when it was just me and andy i'm a huge cm punk guy i'm a huge aw guy if, if there is a civil war in aw i am team punk you know there's team iron man team captain america why well, i am team cm punk that's not a secret but i still like to be very objective with my analysis Collision feels like the A show already, Adam, and I and I feel very confident in saying that. I feel like they're doing a good job of showcasing talent. I think out of all the episodes of Collision so far, this was the probably this this one I was probably the most down on. I would say, in regards to like, okay, you know, you, you want to roll out some guys week one, and you know, have them you know kind of showcase their skills like your Andrades, like your Miros, but even Andrade looks like he's entering a storyline with Malachi Black in the House of Black. Miro's still just going out there and kicking the shit out of just random jobbers every single week. And there just seems to me to be no structure with it. So it seems like we're in a place right now where like dynamites to keep the elite happy show <laughs> and, and collision is the keep CM Punk and FTR happy show, or as CM Punk called them this week, the collider. So it seems like there's definitely some divide in AW right now, but as far as what I've been enjoying lately, and as far as presentation is concerned, I think Collision is the cream of the crop as AEW is concerned. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. I love it. I love the theme song. I have to admit, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting is always a good uh, 
song to have on. Yeah, it does feel like there's a divide uh, within AEW at the moment. And hopefully this, uh, look, as long as they showcase talent like they've got, because there's no doubt about it, their roster depth and the roster depth of talent is second to none. So let's hope that show continues on getting us more visibility of the people that we love, like the Andrade's Man Club, like Buddy Matthews. One more bit of news heading, uh, well, kind of AEW-ish as we head into All In. There was this whole big rumour that Drew McIntyre would be coming in All In. Now, obviously, last night proved that that was false. If there was any doubt of anyone's mind about Drew McIntyre having a remote showing up at All In, he returned at Money in the Bank. His contract wasn't up until February. It was never going to happen. But could it be something that we're sitting here 12 months' time saying... Drew, well, it won't be McIntyre, but it'd be Drew Galloway is all, is all elite. Would you think that'd be still something that could potentially be in the pipeline? Adam, God, man, I, I wanted to talk about this with other guys so bad. This is a conversation <laughs> I really can't wait to get into. But as far as like how it correlates to AEW, right? So when it was initially announced that Drew was unhappy, you know, he blacked out his Twitter after, uh, you know, the WrestleMania match, which was five stars. If that was a swan song, that was a hell of a swan song for WWE's concern. As far as I see it, he has accomplished everything you can accomplish in WWE. I mean, he's a world champion. You know, he went from, you know, undesirable to undeniable, no pun intended. <laughs> not not trying to be too theatrical there. But all, all, all things considered, you know, I still feel like Drew McIntyre does not get the respect he deserves by the WWE. And that is the only reason I wanted him to come to All Elite Wrestling. Of course, everybody who doesn't just watch the WWE, and I mean literally just watch the WWE, Drew Galloway was a pretty big name in the independent scene there, Mr. Adam Cousins. I think you know something about (laughs) Drew Galloway. I'm sure you've seen him perform. Why don't don't you tell our listeners a little bit about Drew Galloway before we kind of continue with this conversation? Drew Galloway was one of the best independent wrestlers in the UK. I was remember I was about 18, 19, and I remember him and Seamus having a match. Well, it wasn't Seamus. It was Seamus O'Shaughnessy. At that point in Irish whip wrestling, they'd done a show and they tore the house down there. And he's never been, you know, McIntyre or Galloway or whatever you want to call him. There's, there has never been, he doesn't never had to improve on anything. He's always had it. WWE failed to utilize him in the first place, maybe too much pressure too soon with Vince giving him the whole, you know, special one gimmick or whatever it was that he had at the time. Um, and then I think as you do when you get fired from the WWE, get released, you have. Not necessarily a chip on your shoulder, but you have a point to prove. And you see people now like Matt Cardona doing that very, very well on the independence. And we all know, you know, he's obviously had a brief match or two in AEW as well. But for me, in the next year or so, I think that, yeah, we 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 won't be seeing Drew McIntyre, but we'll be seeing Drew Galloway potentially after WrestleMania. For I know the contract, there's been no extension. They can extend it due to injury, as we all know they, they're entitled to do that. But I think we may be sitting here in about 12 months' time saying, Drew Galloway just debuted one of the LAW. It's so funny because Drew is everything that Cody Rhodes thinks that he is. And I know that's a little bit of a hot take, but but what I mean by that is that when Drew McIntyre left WWE, he was literally a part of three-man band. I mean, he got completely kicked to the curb. You know, then you saw him just, tear it up in the independent scene and you know he didn't join the bullet club and you know too sweet everybody and you know there was no political no politics to it he went to every promotion you could think of he got in the best shape of his career and he just kicked everybody's ass until they called him and then he comes in he comes into the pandemic era and has some of the most captivating 
TV in, in the Thunderdome era that I think outside of the bloodline we were seeing at the time. He defeats Brock Lesnar in an empty arena. You know, Drew simply deserved better. And they had a chance to kind of make it come full circle. And then they chose to give the belt to Bobby Lashley, who's now Bobby Lashley, how he's always been treated in WWE. So I think Drew McIntyre is the main eventer. I think he proved that in his title reign. I, but at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people see WWE as just kind of this apex, you know, like the top of the line of sports entertainment. And, you know, they, when I think of the Drew situation, I think of the Kevin Owens situation. Like, it makes way too much sense for Kevin Owens to go to the Indies. He's friends with all these guys, Matt Rushmore. But they offered him a lucrative contract. They're telling him he can wrestle his, his childhood favorite. I don't think WWE has the kind of leverage for him that they did for Kevin Owens. So, it wouldn't surprise me down the line if that were to happen, but it also wouldn't surprise me if he took a, just a very heavy-handed contract to stay. And, you know, of course, just, you know, a lot of people like the schedule. I mean, look at Shinsuke Nakamura. He could be in the G1 right now, but he likes the WWE schedule. He 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 he, he likes the paycheck. So we'll see what happens. But the only reason I ever wanted Drew McIntyre in WWE was just so that Drew McIntyre could be the best version of Drew McIntyre. And sometimes I think the best version of Drew McIntyre is Drew Galloway. But – We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens indeed. Right, let's get Saturday night was all right for fighting in more in more cities than one, not just London. It was over in Canada, like we said, it was taped on Thursday. It was a preempt tape. It, you know, it is what it is with those things. You always, so in terms of the rating, we don't know it yet. We're probably assuming it may be lower than last week just because it wasn't a live show. So, you know, I, I don't really care about ratings. I always just care about the quality of wrestling on the show. Amen. Anyway, it opens up with the AEW world champion, MJF. Uh, he was going to make his in-ring debut, and you're thinking, who could this be? And it's Kip Morst. Um, <laughs> uh, didn't last very long. Uh, he he uh, made him tap out to the LaBelle lock. Um, after that, he gets on the mic and insult in Canada. He offered to defend the title against you know pretty much anyone independent on on the enhancement. Uh, the enhancement talent started walking down, and all of a sudden, Ethan Page pops up. They have a bit more of a better contest. MJF still wins. Um, I think it was quite a funny start, and I, I said it's a typical MJF kind of start for me. But in terms of the title run, his title run on its own, I've just been a bit flat with it. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's something that you share. But what did you make of the opening segment, and, and what do you make of the title reign from MJF in total so far? Well, I, you know, I kind of agree and disagree on the MJF sentiment, but I will say that it, it's warranted criticism at certain moments, especially like this, like. I'll say going into an episode of, of, of Dynamite or not, not 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 Dynamite, but like Rampage Inclusion, knowing that it's taped, it's almost kind of like, OK, well, hmm, this doesn't really feel like essential viewing already going in. Right. And then, you know, you open the contest. There's already this criticism of MJF and he's whooping a jobber's ass and they try to like, you know, kayfabe it and say, oh, well, he gets to choose who he faces like the whole like I don't have to work hard because I'm championing MJF. I'll say it's a character that he plays. And he plays it really well. And then that kind of have Ethan Page kind of, you know, misdirect with the fat guy walking down the ramp and come down, you know, cut the big baby face promo. I thought that was a good contrast between the two. Like, I'll say when MJF pops is when he's in the ring with, like, the younger talent. Like, for example, Ricky Starks, man. Oh, my God. That, that match they had at the end of last year was absolutely fantastic. The promos that they were cutting. I mean, it looked like the future of professional wrestling was in this ring. But I do think that as far as, like, talent is concerned and, like, the ability to, you know, carry the triple B, no pun intended, 
there is a big gap between MJF and a lot of these guys. Like, could you possibly imagine Jungle Boy with his goofy glasses and his dumb jacket doing what MJF is doing? No, you can't, because Tony wouldn't trust him to to tout the company on his shoulders like that. And, you know, I, I even think you'd make that same argument for, for guys like Darby Allen. Definitely not Sammy Guevara. You know, he could have a kid, get married, adopt a puppy. It doesn't matter. There is just a really big, you know, divide. And, and there is some truth to what MJF says when he's cutting these promos, right? So them kind of throwing him in this little program with Adam Cole, I, I definitely think it's entertaining stuff. But it's definitely keep busy work because All Out looks to be the crossroads of MJF's title run. But, you know, I, I think MJF's given us some great contests. Uh, I, I do think there's some real backstage politicking going on. I really do think WWE is a real-life destination for him, and I really do think that he is eyeing it. And he probably views it all like these other guys, Adam, of like, this is the apex of professional wrestling. This is where I can be the best version of myself. I don't agree with that. I don't think he's going to get the flexibility in WWE that he gets in AEW. But, you know, like CM Punk said, F around and find out. But... I love the opening segment, Adam. I really did. I I, I love Ethan Page. I think he's a grinder. I think he's a very charismatic guy. He did some great work at Impact. It was nice to see him get a little bit of a showcase. No harm, no foul is how I felt about this whole thing. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, it may have been. I mean, the MJF matches, I've been fine with. They've put on some really good matches. I've just not been a fan of... I know turning up once in every blue moon, but uh, the Roman Reigns turns up once in a blue moon. It just happens that he's exactly. a bit more, you know, thinking out of the storyline he's in. Max and Roman's reigns right now yeah. are kind of paralleled if you really yeah. think about it. Exactly that. Um, next match up the <laughs> Owen Hart Foundation tournament, which I, I personally love this. They do this. Um, it was with Powerhouse Hobbs, Dustin Rose. I think before when I saw the brackets, I could kind of see where this was going already. Um, and, and it did. Uh, Dustin Rose got a bit of color in this as well. There was it was still a really you know quite closely fought contest when it shouldn't be. But powerhouse Hobbs, where do you sit with him? Because this seems to be a big enigma. He seems to have it, but we don't see enough of it, or he's not in the right. I don't know. What do you think about him? <laughs> you know, I our co-host David. I, I, I'm kind of sad we couldn't have him on for this conversation. Yeah. But with that being said, he kind of said WWE. Excuse me, AEW does not know how to book big guys yeah and Hobbs might be the best example of that you know I think the only time we've seen it prior work out Keith Lee I don't know what the hell is going on with that guy I we could talk for an hour about it and I don't think I'd still come to any kind of conclusion um I thought Lance Archer looked like a million dollars in AW at one point but the problem is you know it's like the Braun Strowman effect you can't have this guy getting his ass kicked and pinned constantly in, in these big-time feuds and expect no. him to be prestigious. Like, when's the last time Braun Strowman felt like a big deal? When he beat Roman Reigns at payback in, like, 2017, 2018, yeah. and even that was a super gimmick-protected finish. But these guys got to get wins, right? And here, Powerhouse Hobbs got the win. But because of a goofball, because of a cornball like QT Marshall, mm-hmm. like, you lose any legitimacy you have <laughs> When you're walking around with that guy in his bowling shirt. And don't get me wrong. I, I know that this guy's, you know, got a lot of, of creative sway backstage. I, I know that, you know, he has a lot of friends in the business. He's he's very well respected. But there's nothing badass about what Powerhouse Hobbs is doing right now. Nothing at all. And I feel like he's always going to be tied to Ricky Starks. So anytime you up Ricky Starks' stock, you're going to lower Hobbs's and vice versa. So, I think that's why they put him with QTV so he can get these wins, but, you know, not completely bury other people. But, like, 
this book of Hobbes stuff, we've been teased with it, but it's just like, it just feels like failed potential. But I will say something that a lot of people know. Powerhouse Hobbs uh, is a very big student of one CM Punk. Spends a lot of time with CM Punk. Yeah. They're very close. I think he was Punk's first TV match back when he came back initially in AEW. Uh, and with that being said, like, you know, Punk obviously has a lot of creative pull backstage as well. I think Punk's going to give him the rub at some point in this tournament if they end up getting to each other on their respective sides of the bracket. But I say get Powerhouse Hobbs away from QT as soon as humanly possible because that stuff is just terrible. It, it doesn't. I don't think he's not one of these big guys that needs a mouthpiece either. Sometimes you get them and they need it. He can talk. He's he's more than capable of talking. Yeah. Or he cannot talk. He just beat the shit out of people. Like like, <laughs> like I said, think, think of Strowman. When he was flipping over ambulances, just destroying everybody on Monday Night Raw. Like, that's how you book a big guy, man. He has to be a threat. But the thing is, you can't have five of them in one company. You yeah. can't book them all the same. And I get that. But you can't do stuff at the expense of your younger talent either, like throwing them together with this QTV bullshit. Like, man, it's it. it I really hate to see it. I really do. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the QTV stuff myself. Uh, I'd like to see that end ASAP, but I think it's going to be around for a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was confirmed at the end that the winner of this would go on to face the winner of Juice Robinson and, and Ricky Starks. Then we got, as you said, to another big man, Miro, the Redeemer. <laughs> um, well, I mean, look, he, he took on this guy called Anthony Henry. Um, it was literally five minutes, not even that. I think, I think Henry got a bit of a fence and, and then hit like a top rope stomp before Miro hits an enziguri, the match could kick, and then the game over submission. Does Tony Khan know what to do with Miro is the, is the first question I'm going to ask. I you. love this question, Adam. I love this question. This is something that me and Andy have talked about, right? <clears throat> so I'm going to put it down to brass tacks. In AEW... <laughs> you are burdened with this thing called creativity. And it isn't just on Tony Khan's end. Like, multiple wrestlers have come out and spoke about their creative pull, like, their influence in their own narrative in their own direction. We saw him come in as the best man. Then he turns into the Redeemer. And don't get me wrong, there's some obstacles that you're going to hit because the Booker still ultimately has the final say-so. Like, for example... When he fought Danielson at, I think, full gear. And, you know, I think it was the culmination. Winner gets a title shot, something along those lines. He loses to Brian, Brian Danielson. Wrong call, in my opinion. Brian Danielson has nothing to prove. You don't have to propel Brian Danielson in the main event picture immediately. Miro's been there. Miro's there during the pandemic. Miro's the guy that you need to elevate. That was the wrong decision. But with all that being said, we're two, three episodes back in here now on Collision. And as a collider here, I got to say, I, if, if what we're seeing is a creation of Miro in, in his decision-making and his creative process, he's got nothing going on up there other than, I am the Redeemer, yeah! I mean, just it's <laughs> it really does nothing for me. Like, I, I kind of like the whole, like, him chasing the House of Black thing, you know, the pagans. I, I thought all that stuff was really creative, you know, but now he's godless. And it's just, it's just it, he's all over the place with this, and... You know, it's very easy to blame Tony Khan, and I do blame Tony Khan in certain instances, like with the Danielson booking. But at the same time, I can't imagine, especially if you hear about how much these guys are problems backstage, like Miro. Like, Miro's a social media diva at this point. Andrade, like, these guys just complain all over Twitter. Well, you know, you leave that other company, you come here, 
and you you act like it's the best thing since sliced bread, and now all of a sudden you're having the same problems here that you had there. You know, at what point do you look inward a little bit? And I and I like Miro, but I just got to say, I think there's some fault on both sides in this, Adam. I really do. Oh, yeah. I always say that, you know, <clears throat> I'm not a fan of these ones when they go on Twitter and they, you know, start uh, criticizing where they are or what they're doing. And, and I think that sometimes a dose of reality is uh, needed. And uh, the re- the reality was is that you were, you were dropped by the WWE for probably the same reason <laughs> the minute that you're going through. Yeah. Um, and you're, it's down to the character or the person to create that. A prime example for this, and, and I don't like mentioning WWE and AEW television discussion that we're having, but LA Knight. Yeah, I was gonna... literally about to say that. I was about <laughs> to say that. We'll get into him, but I mean, you know. No, I, I like that example because <laughs> if you looked at the uh, Money in the Bank match last night, badass, badass talking about it would be on AEW review show. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you look at LA Knight, like, as far as, like, in-ring capability – he was like probably the most stiff out of all those guys last night. Really? Like he's a veteran. I mean, when Logan Paul said you're a 20 year vet with a lackluster career, an argument can be made. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but it all comes down to your character. And, you know, MJF said that on AEW TV not so long ago. He's like, you know, you don't have to do all this shit and kill yourself in the ring. If you just have this thing called charisma and (laughs) Miro doesn't have that. Andrade doesn't have that. That's why he had Zelina as a mouthpiece. But even Andrade looks like he's going to go fight all the, you know, Slipknot members. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I'm starting to think Miro's the problem. I really am, unless I'm shown something a lot more captivating within the next couple of weeks on Collision. Which I suppose we'll get. Well, we will find out if Miro finally gets a feud that's noteworthy, apart from just bringing me or you off the street and having fun <laughs> <laughs> in the ring with. Um, Shibori comes down to one of the best promos that I've heard over the weekend was Bullet Club God. Oh, man. <laughs> That's why I'm rocking the shirt, baby. Yeah. That's why I'm, it, it, it's the elite, the golden elite. But I just, I was a huge, just go ahead, just go ahead. I, I need to stop marking out. Yeah, I mean, they they were going to have it beating everyone, Park and, you know, everyone else. Um, basically challenged FTR to a match for the, the AEW Tag Team Championships. Um, they mentioned, obviously, that the match between Juice and Ricky Starks, there'll be nobody at ringside that weren't allowed. Uh, they referenced what Punk had in the bag. Uh, Wyatt said this is a golden age, of the golden era of the Bullet Club and warned that Juice is coming. They're going for the titles, basically. On the big screen, FTR Punk starts interrupt. Uh, and then probably one of the <laughs> CM Punk being CM Punk said that Wyatt should buy himself a replica belt and carry it around like MJF does. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's then, inevitable, man. He's winning that title. It's just, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. And I then, just... and then no, they, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And then the FTR accept uh, the, the challenge for the, the Texas. But for me, segment, promo, best oh. of the weekend. <laughs> Execution. I just, this is why collision <clears throat> is such a great thing just off the bat. Because, you know, I, I don't know about you, Adam. I, we were really talking when Jay White first got signed yeah. to AEW. You had so many people, you know, why did he not go to WWE? Like, why would he not want to join the Judgment Day? Why Why would he settle for AEW? And then, you know, he kind of comes in. He's feuding with Ricky Starks. He's aligned with Juice Robinson. Oh, this is what they're having him do? Like, this is why he signs with All Elite Wrestling? See, man, there's only a limited amount of TV time you have a week. And there's only so many people you can push at once. And I always have that in the back of my mind. So when you add another show like Collision, 
Then you hear that guys like Punk are super high on Jay White, want to work with Jay White. You know Jay White is going to get the rub. And if you watch everything outside of WWE, you know the kind of career that the Switchblade has had. You know this guy has been one of the workhorses of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know this guy is one of the best promos in the world right now. You know he's one of the best young up-and-rising superstars. That's enough of me putting over Jay White. I agree with you. I mean, and, and we're in full harmony on this. This was probably my favorite segment of the entire show. I mean, I was just popping the entire time. I love the gun club joining Bullet Club Gold. Uh, what do they call them? The Golden Guns. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Juice is just like – He's starting to just become kind of like the comedic relief of everything, kind of just a guy everybody pokes fun at, you know, the, the comedy guy, the group. Jay's your serious leader. And then you got your two goons in the back and the guns who have a little bit of prestige at this point, right, Adam? Because, I mean, you yeah. know, they have beaten all their all your favorites, like they've said. And, you know, I think they look good with the shirts on. I think this is probably going to end up being one of my favorite groups at AEW in the foreseeable future. I, I, I think these are a bunch of young guys that are great. They're going to really get in, in their flow, and, and I really see great, entertaining things coming out of this. And I'm glad that it's all happening on Collision. But Jay White, I mean, just he finally showed this, this U.S. audience the kind of promo he can cut. And to first gun for pretty much our, you know, unofficial AEW World Heavyweight Champion, CM Punk, can you, you really can't name a bigger first few than that for Jay White. So I'm stoked for Jay White, man. I'm ready for this, you know, U.S. audience to see what he's all about. Yeah, definitely. Because when he first come in, there was a, there was a slight people even we even us even Dave was like, yeah, he's not really showing what he can do yet. And there's this, you know, there was big up, you know, big uproar about how. And as you said, oh, when he could have gone WWE and doing this, you know, but he's doing come in and done that. But I think we're finally seeing the Jay White that was in New Japan doing what he does, and uh, more power to it. Biggest signing of the year for both companies, in my opinion. I, I think Jay White's going to pay huge dividends for AEW down the line. I'm just a home run signing for them. Yeah, definitely. I think he's, I say, he's starting to get that way. Certainly certainly now, finally, getting where he's got the, maybe collisions, got more time, he's got the group, he's got everything he needs. Let's let's push him. Let's let's strap the rocket to him, as they say, and let's see what happens to uh, Switchblade. Uh, the next match on the card was the Rick the aforementioned Ricky Starks, Juice Robinson match. Dueling chants from the crowd. So that again, that shows you when you get that, you know that they still there, you know, they you know that they're like, even though they're the, the bad guys, they've got their fans. And if they want to chant, they will chant and they did. Hearing that that bullet club IB for IP from New Japan, man, is big. And I and they're gonna get it over stateside. Just just give it time, let them get their comedic timing, <laughs> let them work, let Jay work with these high event players. I'm telling you, dude, a year from now, they're going to be the biggest faction for wrestling, or one of the biggest. They're, they're going to be in the discussion. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, and I'm not just saying that. No, I, I think I think I agree. I also see Billet Club ABC on Impact Wrestling, that Chris Bay, and, and, and yeah, fantastic as well. Absolutely brilliant. Um, for sure. This was a really good match. Really good back and forth match. Love this. I do like it when the Ricky Starks against the Jay Wyatt and the Ricky Starks against... The styles are fairly similar, which is good, but they do have a bit of differentiation to them as well, which is what I really like. And I think it makes for a better match. This was a, a really good uh, match. There was a bit where Juice escaped the Rochambeau, but ultimately Ricky Starks caught him with a jackknife, won uh, and advanced through to the semis to, as we mentioned earlier, on take on Powerhouse Hobbs. Ricky Starks, um, I think, what were we now, 2023? 2025, maybe then or before, we're going to be sitting here saying Ricky Starks, world champion. 
I, you know, Adam, I was so glad you brought this up too. You're hitting on all the points. And then this is all off the dome too. It's actually kind of refreshing to hear how much we kind of share in regards <laughs> to like AEW. So this is going to be a fun dynamic moving forward. But anyway, let me stop gushing. So <laughs> as far as Ricky Starks is concerned, I think the more you book him like a Darby Allen, the better. You know, you make him this just relentless baby face who just gets this close, but doesn't get there. And that happens over and over and over yep. time. And I loved his exposure to the world title scene. I, I love the promo he cut on Max, like I mentioned earlier. I think he showed that he can definitely play the part at some point or else that entire program, even though it was a very brief one, wouldn't have went the way that it went. I love this match too. It's, yeah. it's awesome to see how far Juice Robinson's come. Honestly, I, I was at capital collision when uh, he won the IWGP us title in that fatal four way. I think it was Moxley Tanahashi and uh, Will Ospreay. And, you know, at the time I was kind of critical of the move. I was like, yeah, I just don't see what this guy's got, but he's really taken his, you know, creative liberties and he's really found himself as a character and as a worker. And these two have worked together a lot, Adam, and it's definitely starting to show. I was a big fan of a couple of sequences in this match. I think Ricky Starks is just a natural baby face. And I think he's one that AW can definitely, definitely take their time with. I don't know if they want to wait too long because, you know, you got your boy Cody Rhodes over in WWE who's best buds with Ricky Starks. And we can see how that plays out as Ricky increases his own stock. But I definitely think as far as like an organic baby face, this was a great showcase for Ricky Starks. And I say, you know, <laughs> I'm going to pull Triple H. Good things come to those who wait. Oh, well, we'll see. Funnily enough, you talk about dynamic. I was literally about to mention the Cody Rhodes factor in, in Ricky. Now, I don't know the contract situation of Ricky Starks. <laughs> yep, we're thinking the same thing, man. Yeah, we're thinking the it, same thing. Is this somewhere where... If it's getting to a 12-month thing, does Tony Khan just go, right, let, let's get this re-signed way ahead of time to not have this kind of, well, we talked about Drew earlier on, not to ha get into that stage where <laughs> it could go to, you know, the W. We mentioned <laughs> MJF. You know, <laughs> you know I, for me, I look at it in the same lens of, like, the MJF situation, right? Yeah. Like, I'm sure Tony had a plan for Max. But he had to put it in hyperspeed once Max started talking crazy. Yeah. So I'm sure as soon as Tony saw Ricky Starks walking with Cody Rhodes in the Alamo Dome on that security <laughs> camera, he was like, oh, I need to put this guy in the main event picture at least for five minutes to show him he can he can go there and, and, and I see him going there. So I think the next time him and Max face off, if that does happen, or the next time we see him compete for a world title, I do think he's going to win. And I think that it there is a, a chance it's against Max. We'll see how this entire CM Punk thing plays out. But, you know, you're right. Like, you can't wait too long because, you know, Ricky Starks could be highly perceived by the WWE. I don't see him as a WWE guy. He's a little bit undersized. Like, I kind of view him the same way I view, like, a Johnny Gargano. Like, really great undersized, organic, babyface wrestler, very charismatic. But you put him in the ring with a guy like Roman Reigns, and who realistically thinks that he's going to win that match? Nobody. It's just no believability to it. But I think in AEW, Ricky Starks is a great fit. And don't get me wrong, Ricky Starks would kick my ass. I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying I don't fear Ricky Starks. I'm just saying that as far as, like, the believability factor, there's a reason that Vince doesn't want Johnny Gargano on WWE TV. I'm just, I'm just this, even though Johnny Gargano is one of the best babyface wrestlers of my lifetime. So, <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I like Ricky Starks. And I, I, I want him to think ambitiously, but I don't think everybody is a good fit for, for WWE. And I definitely think he's one of them. 
I think if, you know, like with Darby Allen, you let this guy build character, you let him build rapport with the fans, you let him become a household name, then you pull the trigger. But you're right. It'll be interesting to see how those outside factors play at him. Definitely. But I agree. I, I, I don't see Ricky Starks in WWE. I, I don't think it's a fit. I really don't. I think, any, if anything, yeah, NXT would probably work if they're going back to black and gold, which they're kind of moving towards. Could see that, but... I can't see him, mate. I, I can't see a main roster in WWE. That's well, look what people are saying about Carmelo Hayes. Yeah, can't be him at five eight. I mean, <laughs> that's happening eight. with him, and that's after one match on Raw, dude. No, one I'm, match on Raw, and he's the NXT champion. Yeah, and he's also very, very good. And I'm, I'm also five eight, so there's nothing wrong with that height. I'm shorter than you, so I mean, it's, I, I'm just telling you how it looks on TV, and I'm telling you how the people yeah, exactly. at WWE how their how their cogs go, how they yeah. think about things. It's just it's just reality. It is. It is indeed. Um, after the match, they surrounded the ring in a way, Punk and FTR ran out to make a save. Um, then there was this backstage interview with uh, Luchasaurus Christian Cage. Um, they asked the question why he's carrying the title. He ignores it. Sean Spears interrupts. Um, basically asked Luchasaurus if he's okay with Christian holding the, his title. Spears wants to speak to the champ, made it known that he wants a title shot, uh, whoever this is against. Um, I like Sean Spears. I always have done. Not sure what's missing because he's it's not worked out. I know he's had a kid recently. It's not worked in AEW. I thought when he went to AEW from WWE, I thought this is it. It's going to work. Whatever reason it hasn't done. Maybe the chair shot to Cody probably didn't go down too well at the time. Um, anyway, so Sean Spears, good seeing him get back in some TV time. Hopefully he'll have a, a match with, uh, well, whoever this TNT champion is, Park. Parker, I'm guessing it's Christian Cage and the blow-off. Christian gonna... Soros, Luca Cage. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What, what's going on with this? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. As far as like, because I'm like you. I'm a big fan of the in-ring. Hmm. And I think Sean Spears and Christian Cage are going to have a good match. I think it's going to be entertaining. I think that's about as far as we're going to go with this. And I think that's we'll probably forget about it in two weeks. That's harsh, right? That's very <laughs> harsh. But that's really how forgettable Sean Spears' run in AEW has been up to this point. And I was a huge fan of Mr. Perfect 10, Mr. Ty Dillinger. I popped when he debuted at the Rumble. I loved him in NXT. I loved when he came over as the chairman. He made one mistake. I don't think he should be damned to wrestling hell for that. But, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, especially when you got Brandy Rhodes yelling at people backstage like she knows what she's talking about. So with all that being said, I mean, Christian, I think putting the title in him was a good move. I do. I, I think that, you know, he plays his character very well. And, you know, he kind of adds that, that, you know, veteran grit uh, that we're kind of missing from the TNT title scene. I think Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy is probably the plan at some point. And, I, and that's even with the Jungle Boy heel turn. I think that they're kind of putting this title in limbo for a little while. I think we're going to get some fun TV out of it. I think we're going to get some good matches. I think they have a plan. Jungle Boy said he wants to be, have a title by the end of the year. We all know the FTW one doesn't count. We all know they're not going to bury Hook. So, it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of run it back with Christian and Jungle Boy and Jungle Boy becomes TNT champion. Either way, you could make me care about the guy, even if he did win the title. Christian's entertaining when you put a live mic in his hand, does great work. And, you know, I think this TNT title run will be what it's meant to be, and that's just pretty fun. So, Yeah. Do you think that they turn Luchasaurus face and a lion jungle? I love that idea. Christian. Love that idea. You know, I, I like that more than I like the idea of Jungle Boy ever being heel. <laughs> and, you know, having Luchasaurus is like your big, dumb, goofy, you know, Goliath, babyface, big man that, you know, just takes all the pins. But, you know, he fights the good fight. That works way more for me than Jungle Boy Walker and acting like he's a badass. So 
Okay. I don't know. I, I actually, you're the first person I've heard verbalize that. So I'm I'm definitely pro Luchasaurus babyface. Yeah, uh, as I say to Jungle Boy, it's nice that he's come off the breast and gone onto solids, which is the uh, the analogy that I used for him. Well, think about it. Think about it like this before we move on. I'll say it quick. <laughs> you have Luchasaurus kind of with Christian Cage, animosity builds. He's like, I'm actually TNT champion. It's not you. They end up having a program. The uh, you know the turn happens. Luchasaurus is a babyface. By that time, Jungle Boy will get through his corny little program with Hook, and he'll still be a heel. Heel Jungle Boy. Babyface Luchasaurus, TNT title. You just wrote it. You wrote the script for him right there. Go ahead and send that over to Tony Khan, Adam. Yeah, I think I will. I've actually got his email address, funny enough, because I have it. <laughs> I to come on the show. <laughs> but, yeah, um, you, may, you may be better off doing it while you're in the States. I'll, I'll give you his email address now. <laughs> no GDPR breaches at all here on the show. <laughs> um, anyway, TBS title now. Uh, Statlander against Lady Frost. Now, I said this to Dave, when Statlander first came out, she won the title of Jade. I felt the first couple of matches, long-term injury, looked a little bit rusty. I love this. I love Lady Frost. If she hasn't signed with AEW permanently, they need to get the pen and paper out and get this done. As well as Jordan Grace from Impact Wrestling, who's just left. And uh, Although I think Vince McMahon, that's Vince McMahon's kind of wet dream. You know, oh yeah, he looks for in a, in a lady, and uh, well, he looks for in a wrestler, not just any, and not just a lady. Uh, more, more ladies are about forty years younger than what he is. Um, but anyway, this match itself, uh, really good, loved it. They need Statlander's best match since coming back, and sign Lady Frost now, please. You know, I'm glad you put over Lady Frost. I really liked her performance. I thought this was a good showcase for her. Get her signed. I say stack that women's roster. They have a limited amount of TV, but, you know, you're going to need a really good queue of talent to kind of cycle in if you're going to have this TBS title being defended as often as it is because Chris Statlander on a workhorse trajectory already. I mean, you know, kind of echoing sentiments of, of our guy Orange Cassidy here. You know, they're obviously really good friends in real life. I love Chris Statlander. I like looking at her. I like watching her wrestle. I, I like everything about her. I, I thought they did a really good job of documenting her uh, return. If you, if you guys haven't checked that out, if you're an AEW fan, you're listening to the podcast here, they uh, did kind of like a mini documentary about it. It's on AEW's official YouTube. Check that out. She has really been through the ringer. And, you know, I can definitely say those first few matches were really rusty. But I can tell you right now, you know, all bias aside, these have been good matches. I mean, this this is this is already feeling like the workhorse title. This doesn't feel like a pageant like it did with Jade Cargill, yeah. who's taking so much deserved time off, right? Like, you know, obviously that's that's a crazy long title reign. That's a crazy amount of matches that she went through. She's obviously probably spent some much deserved time with her daughter. But when she does come back and she inevitably does face off against Chris Statlander, people are going to put these two reigns beside each other. And what are they going to say? They're going to say, get the hell out of here, Jade Cargill. You know, go, go to Dynamite. And, you know, I really can't blame them. So if the TBS title was meant to be the workhorse women's title, I think that, you know, Chris Statlander has done a phenomenal job so far. I, you know, there's this whole stigma behind women's wrestling, right? You know, Adam, and, you know, because of that, you know, a lot of people skip the women's matches. I've not skipped a single Chris Statlander match. They're all physical. They're extremely stiff. They're brutal. You know, she's just a great worker. You could tell that she wants this and she wants it bad because of everything that she's been through. So, I'm very pro Chris Statlander. I was very, like, skeptical of how they brought her back and, you know, them kind of Becky Lynch, Bianca Belairing her at the pay-per-view, you know, you know, kind of they did SummerSlam, which came out and just squashed yeah. Bianca. I was like, ah, man, I don't know how I feel about that. But to see Chris Statlander come out on TV every week and just, you know, put on some some clinics, and I think this was definitely the best out of the three we've seen so far, 
I think it's great for the title, really. And it's a complete, you know, 180 from what we were getting from Jade Cargill. And I like Jade Cargill. It's just, I think Chris Stantlander is giving us something that she couldn't. I think Jade Cargill was more presentation than match, wasn't she? Like I said, pageant. It's like literally just a pageant for her. I mean, it's... Just a just a, a general plug for this week. We're talking women's wrestling. We do have Lisa Marie Veron for Victoria Terra coming on Wednesday night. So well, we're recording it Wednesday. I'll probably get put out Thursday, but it was just a plug because we're talking. And, and with all that being said, <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of women's wrestling. I <laughs> I don't use the bathroom during the women's matches. <laughs> I I watch the women's matches. You know, there's a little bit of a you know underimportance of them and tony khan's talked about that as far as like you know tv viewership and demo is concerned like yeah. you can't give the women but so much time because you know it's just you know the way the cookie crumbles but i think as far as like giving them the most of them time and them making the most out of it chris has done the best i've seen out of anybody since brit yeah <clears throat> definitely be interesting to get lisa marie on some thoughts on oh this. that's gonna be a great interview yeah check can't that out wait. can't wait for that anyway let's carry on with collision we need at the end um Next part, there was the Andrade interview. He's he's not very happy that they got his mask nicked. And he wants his mask back, and uh, basically, he, he says he owes something in Spanish. Don't ask me; I, I can't even pronounce. Don't it. ask me what he said. <laughs> I don't even know some of these wrestlers' names and pronounce these wrestlers' names. Let alone how to say something in Spanish. Anyway, has uh, a black interrupt. Uh, Malachi, Jesus Christ, Ma- Malachi Black. I'll get the name out. Taunt a bit more. So they'll meet in due course, and Andrade went off on a tangent. Um, obviously setting up what you said earlier on, which I, that's what I call a take my money match, please. <laughs> Give me my mask. I want my mask. I, look, man. <laughs> you talk about another guy who might be on a little bit of a creative island. You know, he was with Chavo Guerrero, Chavo, which I thought was a really good pairing initially. I yeah. was like, oh my God, I love this. Chavo's a shithead. Andrade can just kill people. <laughs> but and I, I don't, you know, I know we're about to go to the main event here, but just some, just some quick thoughts. I think with Andrade's absence, you see more of a showcase of a guy who can do the same thing, but if not better in the ring, and that's Roosh. Yes. I think Roosh kills people out there. And I think Roosh is probably a top five most physical wrestler in AEW, you could argue, in the world right now. He absolutely killed Brian Danielson. If you guys haven't checked that out, check it out on YouTube. AEW uploads all their matches. Brian Danielson, Roosh, AW Dynamite, absolutely brutal contest. Shows you everything Roosh brings to the table. I think Andrade, you know, is the baby face doing, you know, Charlotte's move. That shit's cute. But, uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll even say, like, I almost feel like the pitch for this entire feud was, oh, yeah, uh, my wife used to be his manager in WWE. Like, just mm-hmm. let me work him, you know? Cause, and let me tell you, this really reminded me that Andrade definitely needs a mouthpiece because my yeah. the guy can have all the charisma in the world, but if he can't, you know, if no one can kind of verbalize this stuff to the U.S. audiences and this stuff kind of can't translate, you know, ugh, you're looking at a rocky road ahead. As far as an in-ring standpoint, Andrade's look great since his return. I'm a huge Malachi Black guy. I'm, I was a huge Aleister Black fan, a Tommy N fan. I was I, – I, I just love the guy. I think he's a great worker. I love the House of Black. I think these two are going to just absolutely kill it. But please, Tony Khan, if you're listening to this and, you know, you, you know you've answered some of Adam's emails here <laughs> – Please let these two face off in a singles contest. Let Malachi Black have some singles competition. Let Andrade and, and this guy just cook. Throw them out there on collision a couple Saturdays and just let them sucker the audience in and show them why they came to AEW in the first place. But, hey, unlike the mirror stuff, at least this stuff has a sense of direction, so I'm all for it. 
It does. And the only kind, if you are listening, just send us a few wrestlers our way. We would love to. <laughs> We'd love to interview them. Yeah, they, they don't have the fear of, of you asking them CM Punk questions anymore. So I think that might be more of a possibility than it was before Collision started. May well indeed. The, I was looking forward to this main event anyway, uh, I, because the two workers that come in, strong Joe. <sighs> I said it last week. I was like, take my money. I am happily, but I could just sit here all day. And it, it didn't fail to deliver. It was absolutely fantastic. Oh, man. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Massively back and forth. Obviously, there was Punk. They were talking about Punk. Punk was on the commentary. Massive, great match. Joe wins. Uh, well, they called, basically, referee stoppage, wasn't it? Uh, the Kina Clutch. Jesus, I'll get the moons out in a minute. Of these moves. Wrestlers and now moves. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, Joe, Joe wins a great back and forth match. They um, promoted the semi-finals on on the July uh, the uh, well the semi-finals next week, and then the winner of that will go on to the winner of Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks on the fifteenth of July to put the O in. Punk, uh, Joe hadn't stopped at this point. He absolutely killed Roderick Strong with a muscle buster on the chair. Punk flew in. Adam Cole flew in to see what's going on, and basically, collision ended with Roddy Strong being taken away on a stretcher. My God, that is how I love a show to end. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I, I was a big, th- this felt like a throwback. It really did. This is this felt like a return to form as far as like adding importance to a main event. It was like I said, it was a complete 180 from Dynamite. Like Dynamite just felt like the Bucks and them all going out and wrestling their friends. And this felt like a legit angle to close out a show. We all know how big Andy here on HTV is about having things feel big going into the next yeah. thing. You couldn't have set up the next match any better. You really couldn't have between Punk and Joe. Obviously, if you're a wrestling historian, you know Punk and Joe had probably the best trilogy or one of the best trilogies of all time uh, back in the early 2000s, uh, back in ROH. Go back and watch those if you haven't. If you can catch those, this, I definitely recommend it because it adds a lot of you know prowess and, and mystique going into this fourth match between the two. This is the first time they faced each other in a very long time. I thought Punk did a great job on commentary putting that over. He did a great job of legitimizing Joe, making Roddy seem like a legitimate component uh, 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 of the Owen Hart tournament, making him seem like a credible threat to Samoa Joe. And, you know, like you, I was very excited for this match because these are two of the best independent, you know, scene workers probably in the last 20 years. I mean, really, like Roddy Strong was working in that fucking warehouse we call NXT and (laughs) finally comes over and looks great. And, you know, probably the best shape of his career, you know, that undisputed era stuff kind of carrying over to AEW. We'll see how that all plays out, but he's still a great worker. Ultimately at the end of the day, you pair him up against, in my opinion, the toughest guy in professional wrestling. Yeah. 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 I- I'm gonna get some flack for saying that. Right. Because a lot of people think it's Gunther. Like when, I don't know about you, Adam, but like when I watch wrestling, you know, there's some people that, you know, you say, I just would not want to be in the ring across from that guy. A lot of people yeah. say it's Gunther, but here's the thing about Gunther. I don't think Gunther gets the amount of punishment he dishes out. Joe will let you hit him with everything you have and he's still going to beat the shit out of you. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I mean, he, he made Darby Allen's entire move set look like nothing. I mean, he really did. I think Joe's the toughest guy in wrestling, one of the most badass guys in wrestling. I think it was underutilized in WWE. I'm glad that he's finally getting a big, big angle. I mean, I like a lot of stuff he's doing in ROH, but still I think him and punk on collision is going to be amazing. I wish it was happening on that August 12th episode I'm going to be at in Greensboro, but that's just the way it shakes out sometimes. But ultimately, I love the main event. 
I thought it was a great match. And in my opinion, it was the best match on wrestling TV probably this week. I enjoyed it. Interesting. It was a it was a fantastic match. And as you say, builds on nicely to next week. That was the collision review. Me and Parker need to go and have a quick spruce down a dry down because in the very, very in around seven minutes time, we are hopping through the forbidden door and talking all things WWE. So Parker, I will let you go and get a quick drink. I'm gonna go and get a quick drink for my throat. I will see you back soon, very, very soon. But guys, this has been the Hit in a Turnbuckle podcast on the AEW Collision. That has been half Parker Hamlet. I have been Adam Cousins, and until next time, buckle down, stay safe, and we'll see you in about seven minutes. Goodbye. Hey everybody, thank you for checking out the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast. Make sure you go and check us out on all social media. Twitter, you can find us at HTT Buckle. Facebook, just search the Hit in the Turnbuckle podcast.